Hello and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. Hey, we are so glad you've joined us here for our uh, continuing journey through Rectify on Netflix, originally on Sundance. We're episode 306, and this is the, the final season finale. Final episode of of season three. And really, there's so much to talk about in this episode, it's a Ryan. Doozy. We're it's not going to be able to talk about all of it because in just a few minutes, we're going to introduce our special guest, Sean Bridgers, who plays Trey. And we had a fantastic conversation with him about uh, how he got involved in the series, how he got to know Ray on Deadwood, how he saw Ray at the Hollywood Bowl when they were both <laughs> dr- drinking beer. Hey, Tony, I don't, yeah. Tony, there's some guests we've had on and we've been, we've been lucky to have some, everybody's just been a thrill and you kind of want to get to know him a little bit better and hang out with him more. I don't fish, but I want to go fishing with Sean. Man, I drink a beer with oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, one, sit, try six. Yeah. <laughs> no, he said that he has a more healthy relationship with everything except dip. Well, it was so, six over the course of a day. I mean, no, that's true. That's true. You could drink six beers while you're out fishing. Course of sure. a day. Yeah. 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 What a, what an absolutely great guy. Yeah. Um, so and, much fun and, to talk to. You know to. what? I mean, really, I'll just say like from the 30,000 foot level, everyone we've spoken with who was involved in Rectify has been a genuinely good human being and you you know you you hear that from everybody everybody we've had every actor and every writer who's come on has basically said rectify has a very special place in their hearts because of really obviously because of ray and because of the writing was just phenomenal but also the you know they all say that just like everybody involved in this show was a was a prince or princess of a person, like just great. Can I tell you, you everybody sings the praises of Ray. It would be, you know, fingers crossed. We, hopefully we can talk to Ray one, one of these days, but you, you kind of get the sense that as Ray's building the team, so to speak, he's, you know, chief criteria had to have been, don't be a dick. Yeah. Right. Like these are people I'm doing something special. Well, you know, who knows if if that's the way you think about a project like this, but obviously something that meant a lot to him. Yeah. You don't want to just, you're not going to just give that away, right? So it would would be interesting to see as much as these people have reflected, that we've had on, have reflected so positively on their experiences with Ray. It'd be really neat to see if, you know, how Ray approached them, right? What, What Ray was thinking about kind of building that team. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Everybody's just been... It's been fantastic to talk to, but a lot well, to get into. Yeah. But but yeah, let's before we before we um, transition to our conversation with Sean, let's talk a little bit about this episode. As you already said, it does wrap up. It's a season finale of season three. Um, as far as I think we're we've talked to Scott, I think they knew that there was going to be a season four at this point, and yet. I did watch this and think this could have been the series finale, except for maybe there's some loose ends on like who killed George and obviously Trey gets arrested, but the whole Daniel, Janet, Amantha, that whole, that storyline, um, the Holden, yes, the Holden storyline comes to a close. Uh, Teddy and Tawny, they, they've reached some kind of equilibrium though. It's tense. And we even see like there's a little um, there's a there's a little moment. Well, more than a little moment, but uh, even with Amantha and Teddy, you know, having dinner together and then playing gin rummy, um, and Jared then comes in and sits down with them. There's even some closure there, you know, like they're yeah. going to be okay. They, they've yeah, they're, they're kind of Daniel's left, and everyone is able. Not everyone, but you know, a lot of the characters are able to kind of find some peace with Daniel out of the picture. The the episode progressed like I thought and hoped it would with yeah. this really beautiful road trip between Daniel and Janet. That obviously we can get, dig into some of the dialogue there, but you know, him wanting to go look at the prison. 
and mm-hmm. she's looking at him, looking at the prison. She can just imagine the thoughts going through her head and they go to the beach and have a nice meal together. And then obviously on the other side, you've got uh, the sheriff still pushing this investigation, really backing Trey up against the wall. And yeah. as you said in the last episode of the podcast, we all know that Trey is ultimately innocent of what of what Sheriff Carl is accusing him of. And then finally, of course, we have kind of a it really does. I, I didn't think about it uh, on the day. But looking back, it really does feel like they're tying a bow on the Holden family mm-hmm. and in and, and quite a beautiful way. Although although it leaves obviously some avenues open as as season four continues. But I wonder what that will look like. It feels like season four, perhaps uh, Daniel, as he tells Janet at the end of the episode, I need to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, it will be interesting to see in season four Daniel being on his own and and obviously he won't be totally alone he's going to be at a in a program with other people but out removed from that that care and support uh, from Janet Amantha and others yeah yeah there were a couple things that struck me I mean one is uh when he plays catch on the beach with that little kid you know, my mind immediately went to this, and this is probably what Ray was after. You could think like maybe Daniel will be a maybe Daniel still has a chance to be a father, or you think well, um, you know, the senator stole uh, the senator and the sheriff at the time stole all those years from Daniel. He'll never get to be a father because he's the the years he could have been a father he spent on death row. You know, yeah. And Janet says you're really good with kids. But the last thing, you know, it's not like Daniel's going to go become a preschool teacher <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, Man, nobody's going yeah, yeah. to let yeah. him be close to kids. And you just all you feel this little tension, even like if the if the little kids parents who are sitting just a few feet away on the beach knew who was throwing the ball to their kid, they would freak out. You know, they would freak out. Yeah. Um, and the the final scene there too was um or the final exchange part of the final exchange with Daniel and Janet of uh that really it kind of got to me is when when he has the kind of wherewithal to tell her to forgive herself mm-hmm. I thought it was a quite touching moment um very uh, insightful because we haven't seen that between the two of them. We haven't seen Daniel kind of cut to the core with her, right? Like he did with Tawny or Amantha or other characters. Yeah. And and having that and wondering how long he potentially held on to that or when he came to the realization that that she was kind of punishing herself. And maybe her and maybe that explains everything that we thought about her in season one. Her distance is out of a sense of guilt for not doing enough or or whatever, but I, th- I thought that was just such a, you, you couldn't write it better. Also, we should touch on this dream sequence that I knew Daniel you were going to go there. Well, because it's like one should of we, the most, it's one of the most theologically. It's, it's not Daniel's, it's, it's Tawny's dream sequence. Well, is it? I mean, it shows them both, they're both in bed dreaming. They both no. I, Daniel's I, not in bed. Tawny, it's Tawny. You sure? Because Daniel goes underwater. Yeah. When he tells Janet on the beach at the beach, he says, "I'm going to the source." Right. And he goes into the water, and then immediately cuts to the sequence. And then when the when the sequence in the uh, conference room, the prison room, visitation room, is over, it ends with. Tawny opening her eyes in bed. Yeah, I know that. I know. I, that's. I, I think it's meant to show that. I think it's meant to confuse us or not not be clear about whose vision it is. Okay. Hey, in, I, in I, any yeah. event, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I don't think ultimately, ultimately, that really doesn't matter as much as what you're right. going to get from this exchange. Let's play a clip of that, and then let me know what you think. Where are you, Tawny? I'm lost, Daniel. 
I just think, you know, a, a lot we, we've had, it's been a while since any of our characters have really directly talked about God or had any kind of theologically weighty conversations. But when those did take place earlier, in earlier seasons, they were between Daniel and Tawny. So I guess it's no surprise that here they are circling back to address that. And no, now, I mean, it's it, they've obviously taken up the opposite roles because Daniel is now trying to convince Tawny to, to maintain her faith. And Tawny is the one saying, God, what do you mean, God? There's no God. You know, Tawny's the one who's right. vexed with doubt. She She's lost her faith. And Daniel, you don't know if Daniel actually has faith or not, but he's at least Maybe Daniel in this dream is is realizing what he stole from Tawny. And he really did steal a lot from her, I think. I mean, I think I, I'll, I'll put that at Daniel's feet. Tawny had obviously a lot of problems, but he stole her faith from her. And maybe her faith was too simplistic, too simple-minded, too naive. But in so doing, in in complexifying that faith for her, you know, she couldn't, it was overwhelming and she couldn't handle it. And she ended up obviously leaving Teddy. And now in just what seems to me such a, such a harsh, brutal moment, she says, I want to change the locks on our house. It's just something I need to do. And I I felt so badly for Teddy at that point. It, I think it's again, another, it just shows, what a great writer Ray McKinnon is because, you know, however many episodes, you know, 20 episodes ago, we, we all freaking hated Teddy. And now I'm, I just think Tawny is, you know, evil to do that to him. Like really a low blow. Do you really, you really think so? I don't think she's evil, but I think she's so lashing out, out of her own hurt and insecurity. And I was so happy to see Teddy, you know, playing cards with Amantha, like, Teddy, you're going to be okay. Tawny, I don't know. I don't know if Tawny's going to be okay. I saw it. Yeah, I don't know. I, you, I hope. I'm, I think um, she is still so lost, and she says that to Daniel in that sequence. And she's got a long way to go. I mean, you could do a, a whole other, you know, what is it, four seasons in a movie. You could do the movie on Tawny. She's got a lot to figure out. Yeah, yeah. But it seemed like there was a flash of, and I think this is Adelaide's gift as an actress. I mean, it seemed like there was a flash of surprise, maybe even gratitude when Teddy said that he would change the locks. Mm-hmm. And he you makes think? the move. To, well, I, I I saw it. I mean, or at least it's what it looked like to me. And look, I'm not going to read tons of things into that. I, I think uh, they've got a long way to go if they go anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, Teddy, Teddy makes the turn to go, and you wondered if there was a moment where she was, she was going to say one other thing, which I think would have been the lesser option. I think her remaining silent and letting him leave uh, added some weight to the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to their exchange, to the scene. But it felt like I, I – maybe I should go back and rewatch it, but it felt like she she was a little surprised that he agreed to it, and maybe – Maybe that's what it's going to take, right? Like she feels she's never had her own space, and so long as there's the the as so long as those locks stay on the door, it's not her place; it's their place. Hmm. And if she has locks on that, if she has new locks and she's the only one with the keys, that's her space. It's a house of her own, and she's got an opportunity to potentially use that space to to heal, to figure out where she wants to go, who she wants to be. I don't know. Maybe it's not so bad as all that as, as a, as a low blow at Teddy, but it certainly hits him hard. But like you said, he's, he's kind of got that support. He's got a support system around him. I mean, I think obviously Janet's there for him. If we're thinking about, you know, kind of where these characters go in subsequent season in the next season. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. his dad's such a rock for him. Even though his dad makes a, a a bit of a startling confession, at least to Teddy. Yeah, you know, his dad's not perfect, but his dad's his dad's finally giving him advice about his relationship. But it seems to be advice that Teddy already has embodied. He's kind of intuited. Where you know, basically, Ted tells him, "You got to fight. You got to work to make this work." And Teddy's already doing that. Right. I mean, he's taking all the steps he needs to take. Right. And Ted doesn't know that. No. And Ted is like on the brink of losing his next marriage because he's not being particularly sensitive to Janet and what she's going through and not able to see like that Daniel's going to be, you know, going to be out of the picture here pretty quickly. And then he can reconnect with her. So it's almost like Ted is saying that giving this speech to himself about how to you know how to hang on to a a marriage but hey tony before we uh bring sean on there's one other uh there are two other characters we need to talk about that are looks like they're going to be some uh have a a presence in season four that we haven't talked about yet and john stern and the senate and senator folks so if we talk about putting bows on the holden family kind of here to transition john does kind of sign off with Amantha, so to speak, right? They yeah. say goodbye to each other at the hotel. And uh, it, it's clear that he's going to move on. He expresses surprise that she's staying. With seems like he's implying that she could go with him if she wanted to. Yep. But uh, as he leaves, one of the last things he tells her in regard to Daniel is, you and I both know he would have been better off with someone less distracted. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, and that way he's pinning, uh, he's, I guess he's pinning some of that on Amantha. Like, you shouldn't have got wrapped up with your brother's defense attorney. But, I mean, he did end up getting... It takes two to da- tango. Yeah, I mean, and he got Daniel off of death row. And so, it, yeah, he's a little being a little bit hard on himself, for sure. But, it's that it, it's his visit to Senator Folk's house, which seems a bit out of character for John Stern because he's kind of a passive guy, but he's obviously a very successful attorney. So he must be good at, you know, getting things he wants. But man, when he shows up at the senator's house and just like pulls up a chair and lets the stroke victim really have it. I mean, that's that's he's pissed. He is freaking pissed. Yeah, and you wonder is it is it it is he pissed because first off, there's obviously um, been a miscarriage of justice, and he's but it it feels weird because he goes, he leaves Amantha, and you kind of feel like okay, he's gonna hop on the plane and go to Boston, yeah, because he's kind of said as much, but then he goes to the senator, and what he says to the senator is basically like I'm gonna bury you. Right, which implies that he's going to stick around, or is that just work he's going to do from far? But it's kind of like you said, it's kind of a weird move on his part. Even though you know you kind of love it, you kind of he's like, I hope that your house has termites, and then he just walks out and like, yeah, you tell him, uh, John. But 
it, it's kind of weird. Like, is he leaving or is he staying? Well, I think, you know, we, we got to think of John Stern. He works for, you know, basically the fictional equivalents of the Innocence Project, which has offices all over the country to try to free, uh, you know, wrongfully convicted people. And he's moving to the headquarters in Boston, but it doesn't mean that he's giving up the case. It's kind of like I got my I, I think John Stern feels terrible that Daniel had to confess. And he and yeah. for Dan for Daniel, yeah. it's like I confessed, I'm moving to Nashville. It, it this thing, I'm putting this behind me. For John Stern, it's like I won't rest until my client is fully exonerated, regardless of the fact that he's now confessed to the crime twice, because he obviously, like Sheriff Carl, thinks that Trey killed George, which means that Trey and or George and or Chris are maybe implicated in Hannah's death. Although, as a viewers, we realize that there's nothing, nothing is leading us to believe that. But John Stern and Sheriff Carl both kind of have this, are, are suffering under this misapprehension that these other three boys are possibly implicated in Hannah's death. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's, I think John Stern is like, I may be leaving for Boston, but I'll be back to Pauly because I'm going to keep fighting to exonerate my client. And, you know, what we know then is the next, you know, the next morning or so, uh, Trey is arrested. And I guess well, finally, th- I mean, I guess finally this before we pa- pass it off to the actor who played Trey, but you know, there, one of the obvious things we're seeing is potentially another miscarriage of justice, you know, potentially another innocent man because Sean, I mean, sorry, Trey, finally comes clean and tells the truth. I didn't kill George. George killed himself, but I did float his body down the river. I mean, Trey's obviously guilty of, you know, a crime, but it's, he's not a murderer. And, but he could very well go down for this crime for, you know, he could very well be convicted of murder. And, and it's like, here we go again, Daniel gets off. And now maybe we've got, we're going to watch in season four, you know, another, a, another innocent uh, person get convicted and, and, you know, go, go to the, to death row in Georgia. But well, we've got, we've got a lot to look forward to, especially because John Stern is a uh, part of eight episodes next season. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, cr- fingers crossed that Luke Kirby will join us, but we're super, super excited now to uh, transition into our awesome conversation with Sean Bridgers, the incredibly talented actor who plays Trey. And uh, without further ado, we will go now into that conversation. All right. Hey, Sean, thanks for coming on Killer Serials, the podcast where we're going through Rectify episode by episode, man. It is a huge honor to have you on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I got to say that um, I, the, the first time you showed up on screen in Rectify in season one, who did we have on then, Ryan? It was one of the writers. Was it Michael Fuller, maybe? It was, yeah, Michael and Graham. And I was like, okay, when Trey comes out of his house and, and he's talking to the sheriff, which I, we would really want to get into because the, the, the scenes, I, I, it's become to the point where the scenes between Sheriff Carl and Trey are my favorite scenes in every episode. But uh, Trey fires in a dip like mid sentence. I asked Michael Fuller, I was like, I'm just wondering behind the scenes, like what what was that in the script or whatever? He's like, I'm, he goes, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that was just a Sean Bridgers moment. <laughs> so yeah, can you, they were singing you, know, your praises. you may not want to show, you know, pull back the curtain, but can you let us in on that? Was that, was that directed by Ray or was that just, you no, just fired in the dip on your own? I mean, it might've been directed by Ray, but I had a can of dip. So, I mean, and, um, <laughs> I do, I do dip. It's my only really, it's my only vice that I have not been able to, um, it's the hardest one to kick. I don't know if either of you guys have ever dipped, but, uh, uh, 
uh, your guilt, guilty party here. We, okay. we so can start you know, a support group. I mean, honestly, I mean I've, I've had bouts <laughs> uh, with different uh, pharmaceuticals and libations and things like that, all of which uh, I have a pretty healthy relationship with now. Um, that's not the case with uh, with dip. It's you know it's tough. So uh, I usually have um, I rarely can you dip on screen, um, you know. Um, but you know you have right. you have it in your actor chair in between takes and stuff because, um, like anybody who is uh, uh, a nicotine addict will tell you, um, the the trap of nicotine is that. Without it, you feel anxious, and then <laughs> you know, and you feel anxious. Yeah. <laughs> now you're having withdrawal. I mean, it's, with it, yeah, it's vicious. But uh, so I always have some sort of around me. Um, so yeah, if I can, if I can do, it, if it works for the character, it's like, well, wow, this is great. Um, it's better than <laughs> dipping's better than uh, chewing tobacco. I've I've done chewing tobacco in in uh, in movies and TV before, and that's that's messy and. Uh, you don't want to see. Yeah. You don't want to have a chew in all day. That's horrible. Um, <laughs> Sean, you, no. you're you're based in North Carolina. You uh, you've been working for. Uh, you've got a really great career. Uh, been acting for a long time. I wonder if you could kind of give listeners like maybe a, the thirty thousand foot view of 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 kind of your career and what got you to rectify. Just since we're talking about that, I know we could potentially revisit some other shows you've done. Well, I'm, I met, I knew of Ray, um, from, uh, I had him back. I had a manager a long, long time ago and she knew Ray because she, she, uh, managed some, uh, someone that, that Ray worked with. And, um, I saw the accountant, um, very early, uh, before it won the Academy Award and all that sort of stuff. And, um, of course just was, uh, stunned by how how brilliant it was and is and um and kind of tried to get to know ray look like i tried to talk to him after that screening and you know but ray's ray's ray man so that was i didn't know how how that went and then i ran into ray at the hollywood bowl they were uh um they were doing a a tour of the musicians from oh brother where art thou right which was freaking awesome oh wow and, um yeah so I met, I ran into Ray there. Uh, I was waiting for beer and he had purchased a lot of beer. And I think Ray, and he might deny this, had purchased <laughs> a lot of beer throughout the night. I don't think he remembered that encounter at all. But then where I got to know Ray was we worked together on Deadwood. And um, we just liked oh, each other. Right. Yeah. Very, very similar sort of, you know, grew up in small southern towns. Neither of us... Uh, we, we both played sports, but we're kind of weird and, um, you know, didn't, didn't, neither of us knew that you could be an actor until we were actors, that sort of, so we, we just, you know, we're, we're, Ray's a very easy person for, to be with for me. I, I, I've, I've always just enjoyed being around Ray. We can talk or not and we're, we're good with it. So, yeah. um, so he, I read a very early version of Rectify. It was called Rectified at the time. Ray came up to my house. I lived north of L.A. Uh, at the time in the mountains of uh, like the Los Padres National Forest up there. It's where my wife and, and our kids lived. And Ray came up to spend the day, and he gave me this pilot. And uh, he said, you know, read it. And he said, I want you to play this one character. He's not this Trey character, he's not in it much in the pilot, but he's, he's going to be a big character. I'd love for you to do it. And, um, it was a fantastic script. And then a lot of things happened with Ray that, you know, um, you know, his wife, Lisa died. A lot of things happened and the, and the, the show was supposed to, I'm sure you guys know all this history, but, um, uh, the show went away and then I hadn't seen Ray in a couple of years. And then we, we reconnected and he told me that there was interest in the show and was I still interested? And, mm. um, it, it came to be, and, uh, actually I didn't know if I could do it when I, when I first, when they first offered it, they offered it to me. And, um, I was in uh, Ireland and I didn't know if I could, uh, get back in time. And at first I said, no, 
that I couldn't do it. I was sorry. Mm. I was happy for him, but I was sorry I couldn't do it. And my wife was there and she was like, you, you're an idiot. They have airports in Ireland. <laughs> you, so, so then I called him back and said, never mind. I, I, yeah, I want to do it. And uh, so I was so in Ireland. Take a flight. Yeah. Shoot the pilot. And, uh, you know, and if it had just been the pilot, it would have been so if, if that was all that ever happened, it was so yeah. fantastic to be there and to see it actually happening. And, um, and then it just became this nice little, little ride, you know? Yeah. Let me, uh, I'll do one more question on kind of the career question before we dive mm-hmm. into these episodes and, and rectify specifically, you talked about, you know, not knowing you could be an actor and, until you were doing it. What, when was that for you? What did that look like? Uh, well, the first time I thought that I could, well, the first time I ever considered that maybe acting was something that maybe I could do is, um, I, I, I saw a movie when I was 15. Um, uh, it's, well, I've told this story before, but you guys have never heard it. I, I went to this, I, I, when I was 15, I was in 10th grade. I went to a little private Episcopal, um, school in Tennessee called St. Andrew's Suwannee. It's in Suwannee, Tennessee. And, um, uh, on a, I remember on a Friday, some friends of mine, uh, who lived next to the little student union, uh, movie theater there. Cause there's a university in, in Suwannee and they came to school and they said, Hey, do you want to go to a movie tonight? There's a, there's a Western, there's a, it's a Burt Reynolds Western. And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And so we show up, we go to the movie and it's, and I see the poster and it's not Burt Reynolds. Like, I'm not exactly sure who it is, but it's not Burt Reynolds, but it's a, it's a guy in a cowboy hat with a mustache. So in 1983 in Tennessee, cowboy hat, mustache, that equals Burt. Right. And, uh, <laughs> so we go yeah. in and we watch the movie. Well, long story short, the movie's tender mercies. And, um, oh, the first there you movie, go. If you don't, if you don't remember, the first scene of Tender Mercies is these two men inside a little motel out in West Texas, um, drunk, having an argument, and it's shot from like the camera set at like knee level, so you can just see their feet, and you see a bottle fall, and you kind of feel somebody falling on a bed, and the dialogue is stuff like "Give me that bottle." Another one's like "I'll give you nothing. Give me that bottle." And then Tess Harper steps out of her. <laughs> the office and, and my friends were like what the hell this, and then we see robert duvall and they're like that's not burt let's go and i was like i don't know i think i want to watch and that movie blew yeah. my mind and that's the first time i thought so good. i don't know if that's if that's what being an actor is i think maybe i could do that because he's not good looking and he sounds like me so maybe <laughs> maybe i could be an actor because up to that point, you know, it was Roger Moore and, you know, Michael Caine. And uh, I don't know, those were those were actors. And um, yeah. so that that's sort of what I've chased uh, ever since then, you know. And um, but then I then I did I did plays in high school and then uh, I quit college for a few years. And then when I went back to college, I, I started doing plays and there were a lot of movies being made in North Carolina at the time and somehow I got an audition for a movie and, uh, it went well and the casting people kept bringing me back. So I paid for like the last couple of years of my college by doing movies in the summer. And the first movie I did, I, I was working with some sort of hotshot young actors and, uh, you know, in the first rehearsal, not to sound cocky or anything, but I, I was rehearsed with them and I thought, you know, I'm better than them. I mean, I mean, and they're famous, so um, I can do this. So then I just kind of dug in and I was like, okay, what do I need to do to be good? So yeah, started working on it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. For, first of all, trivia, I just see on your IMDb page that you are uh, like 27 days older than me. How about that? So we, we were... You can't uh, tell me anything. Growing up, <laughs> grow, growing up at the same time and influenced by the same, some of the same things. Probably. Do you watch Tender Mercies? Of course. Yeah. Probably okay. didn't All have right. quite the same. Pro- probably at the time was probably more like uh, your classmates, Sean, than you were uh, on the on the reaction to it. Well, I have to say this too. I, I was like, 
I'm, I sort of grew up in a strange, I, 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 you know, until I was an adult, I don't think I fully recognized and appreciated. My, my mother is a novelist and my father was a, mm. was a, an attorney and he was the attorney for the Eastern band of the, of the Cherokee. And so they're both, you know, they, like my mom's dad was a farmer and my dad's dad was a, a, a plumber from Arkansas who had a sixth grade education. And so, I mean, they, they you know, like, but both my parents really kind of brilliant people. And um, so I was exposed to a lot of good music and a lot of books and, um, we were read to a lot. Like one of my dad's best friends from, from the air force, um, lived in Quincy, Illinois. And I, and it's still like a very vivid memory for me. We went to visit him, my dad's buddy and his family. And so we drove from North Carolina to Quincy, Illinois. Now, right across the river from Quincy, Illinois is Hannibal, Missouri. So my parents who are readers, they were readers. They, my mom read us Tom Sawyer all the way there. Mm. We went to Hannibal mm. and went to all the oh, wow. So I, I kind of, you know, I grew up in a little Appalachian town, but um, so in many ways, I'm kind of a Highlander in that, you know, culturally, but I was exposed to a lot, you know, and, you know, when I was yeah. 14 or something, my mom took us to New York because she had a meeting with her publisher and her editor you know, and she was published by Random House, right? So I didn't know that was a bit, I mean, I didn't know, but we went to Broadway shows. Right. And so not many kids from my hometown had the kind of experiences. Like, I'll give you an example. Like we have a, our, our library in, in my mom's house, which is where I am right now, because my wife and I are building a house. So um, we've been living with my mom during the pandemic. But in the, we have a little library with a converted garage, right? It's like the living room, whatever. And my friends used to come over and they, that's the, that's you, you'd enter in that door and you'd look. And I mean, almost always they would look and go, dang, it's like a library in here. <laughs> you know, they just didn't have any books in a, you know, so, um, yeah. So, so in a way it's not, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I, I, you know, was on a tobacco truck all my life and became an actor. It's like, I had a lot of, exposure to um art and literature and and great music mm -hmm. yeah. but um that served me well because i'm comfortable and i'm relatively comfortable in in both worlds you know well uh speaking of tobacco and dip i want to uh, uh see if i can make this segue to to your role in rectify because it's funny you were talking about dip and and like this this weird, um, this walk and this knife edge of like anxiety on the, if you, you know, feeling anxious, if, if you're addicted to nicotine and you don't get it. Yeah. Your, your character Trey is, is this, I, I just think this awesome, uh, combination of like this laid back Southern dude, you know, and of what electrician carpenter mm -hmm. jeans and a flannel, uh, screen door slap and close behind him when he comes out into the yard uh and and also anxiety which we particularly see in in this episode 306 that we're talking about today and we can get more into this particular episode here in a minute but i just wonder like going into that what kind of conversations did you have with ray and and how did you approach that character to get that um that combo of that like laid back guy who lives kind of out in the woods and this anxious guy who ends up basically you know screwing up his whole situation here by hiding evidence and covering stuff up and trying to pin stuff on somebody else hmm. uh man i don't I, you know i i, I mean or is that just who is that just who you are <laughs> naturally or me how would you approach it Kni uh, knife's edge um the the way I approached all of it, uh, and that's this is one of the reasons I was I had some reticence about even like talking about Trey is that I don't fully understand him, and and part of that is that I never really knew. Like I, I remember at one point Ray saying to me, "Do you want to know who did what or what?" And I said, "No, like let me know what I you know if I'm off, let me know." Hmm. But I just played the scene, mm -hmm. 
So I played the given circumstances of the scenes. I knew the guy had some serious sociopathic sort of tendencies, right? And um, so I just sort of sort of played it and played it that way. And um, I never played Trey as a as a bad. In my mind, I didn't try to play him as a bad guy, which is one of the. Um, I think he's a little bored, and he he's he mm-hmm. is trying to hide things from the past. He thinks he's smarter than he is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's 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 a, he's a maybe he's not a sociopath, but he's certainly narcissistic. And uh, I mean that's obvious by the way he deals with his daughter and his family. Um, so. You just play it. The, the, the script is so well written. <laughs> See, that's the thing about acting is that what I'm always hunting is really good writing because then all I have to do is be honest and present in the moment and listen and just play the scene and allow the scene to live. Um, all the sort of explanation of who he is and all that sort of stuff the story is actually going to reveal all of that. Like this, like in three Oh six, it was interesting for me to watch it again. So I remember I was doing a movie at the time. So they were kind of flying me back and forth. And, um, I remember cause we'd gotten to that point and, you know, I was always figuring that at some point there was going to be some sort of explanation for why, Trey did what he did. And in fact, it was just that he doesn't really know why he did it. Cause he fucked up. You know, he, mm-hmm. it just like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, you know, he says, he says, I did a lot of impulsive shit. Right. Well, and I did so, <laughs> right. you know, me yeah. playing that scene at that point is explaining what the scenes I had acted up to that point. Cause I had no other explanation and I just stayed true to that. Yeah. Right. So that's what sort of resonates. It, he doesn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't tie it up in a neat bow. And, um, so you just play the given circumstances of the scene and your understanding as an actor of what's happening. You know, that's all you can do. And as long as you're not, uh, acting, I just don't want to get caught acting. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you just sort of dig in there and, um, and do it. And Trey was a lot of fun to play, but also I was, I was okay with not playing him anymore. Right, because he's just interesting, just like yeah. A dick, you know. I mean, he's he's just kind of <laughs> a dick, and um, yeah, you know, you don't like to sit with that forever. And you kind of got to get yourself revved up a little bit. You operate a little bit. I don't know if you guys believe in all that stuff about like, you know, your energy. Well, we're all just energy, right? So I just kind of would amp myself yeah. up a little bit. And um, but yeah, when I watch it, I I enjoy the fact that he seems to be laid back. Like that's his persona, and you could say that that's probably how he would define himself. But no, man, he's about to pop, and he probably always has, yeah. right? So yeah, there's. Yeah. I wanted to. I the uh, when when you talked about the wondering why he did what he did, and 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 that kind of thing. You know, thinking about Trey you know, we were watching the episode and we only watch, you know, we haven't watched beyond this episode. So we don't know any more than what we've seen through 306. But when he says, you know, I did some impulsive shit, I looked at my wife and I was like, that's it. I mean, it doesn't have to be more than that. Like we know we can all relate to that because we've all done stupid yeah. shit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So and- I, I, what I, yeah. Like, so you're just showing up, and and uh, you've read the script, and you're showing up, and you're like, "Today is the day I'm going to push a dead body down the river." So that's that's. Uh, mm-hmm. he, I, yeah, yeah. I thought we I we talked about this when I when we emailed last week and setting this up, but you know, one of those times it seems like Trey's about to pop is right at the end of three oh five, when all the sheriffs are uh, got a warrant and they're going through his house. And he's like maniacally laughing at, uh, you know, an adult swim show and telling his kids basically to shut up when they say they don't like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to run a, a, a theory I've got about what we've seen so far in this show with, with the way Ray set it up mm-hmm. that I think has implications for 306. There's all this, there's this very interesting stuff in the early couple seasons where these flashbacks to Daniel on death row and you know, he's, he's 
playing, uh, and we've talked to some of the writers about this too. He's playing scenes opposite actors he can't see. You know, he's he's having um, he, he's got kind of the you know he's got Kerwin on the one side, he's got the other kind of devilish uh, prisoner on the other side. So they're they're acting. It, it, I, I thought it was a particular acting challenge, probably, and I wonder in this episode it's so similar because. Trey is almost acting opposite Chris, uh, having the same, like being interrogated by the sheriff. Chris shows up, he's buttoned down. He's got his attorney with him. He's super calm. He has nothing to hide. At this point, he's just going to tell the truth as as he remembers it. And then Trey has this very opposite. He's like, He's feist. He's like a he's like a, a, a cornered animal almost. You know, he doesn't bring a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to be he. He doesn't seem to know he's about to get arrested. <laughs> like even when the sheriff says, "How about you just spend the night here in jail, <laughs> and then we'll go out to the river tomorrow." So I wonder, it, you know, in that. Um, I don't know if you have reflections on the filming of three hundred six and these two kind of concurrent character storylines of this new character chris being interrogated you know and then trey's getting interrogated in different rooms but it's very you know very parallel yeah i you know that's that's one of the things that that for me and how i approach it is that i don't pay any attention to what anybody Mm -hmm. else is doing that's not my job that's that's ray and scott's job and everybody else's job, the director's job. <clears throat> um, I just played the scene the way it kind of sparks. Right. And, um, and mm-hmm. I'll be directed to alter something if by the people who are, who are monitoring all of that. Right. Um, so yeah, cause I can't, I can't, that's too much for me to, you know, my job is very specific. Mm-hmm. It's, um, so I yeah I mean I think you're right that that works really well. Uh, I don't know how calm I personally think Chris was. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know that I agree with you that yeah, Chris right. was calm. I, I know what you're saying, but yeah. um, but uh, I yeah the 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 juxtaposition of yeah his lawyer and the way he looked and the way Trey. You know, and I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know any of that. It, it is interesting because I'm kind of, you know, Trey's kind of loose, you know, he moves in his chair. Yes. He's a physical, he does, he is like a caged animal and he's all, and that, that was a yes. sort of thing is that he, how does Trey move? And, um, he, tr- he moves like somebody who's pretty confident, right? It, it, he walks through the world pretty confident and, um, you know, and then that kind of shuts down at the end. Right where he's he if you if you notice the last scene it's like I'm not moving the same, right? Trey's not at the river. Yeah, I'm not moving the same. Um, so that's all I can focus on. The I mean, he says that he does have that line. He does have that line. The world is full of idiots, you know. And and then he kind of tags on, and I'm one of them. Like he's just finally admitting he thought he was the mastermind who was gonna you well, know he you know wiggle he, his wiggle his way out of this. Well, I mean, the way I have to play it is like I, I, I knew that I did not kill George, right? So mm-hmm. Trey knows that, and Sean knows that, um, and I have to, mm-hmm. I have to believe the narrative as it's presented to me that I did not, you know, I, it, he has no question that he did not rape Hannah, right? I mean, he that that's that's a theme throughout the whole thing. It's like when we go to George's trailer. It's like, no, you know, you know, Trey and Hannah hooked up forever. That was just like always mm-hmm. there. So he, he can't, he can't wrap his, so he doesn't really think he's done anything wrong. He did some things that were stupid. Right. And that's what got him in trouble. Mm-hmm. But he also walks through all of this feeling like, you know, the world is, everybody's full of shit. And I, and you know, uh, I, I, I just screwed up. I just did some impulsive shit. <laughs> it was dumb. That was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and why he did it, man, I wish I could tell you. I wish I had some sort of, but, but that's the way with human beings, right? Like if we, if we knew why we did what yeah. we did, be, what is the word omniscient or, you know, I mean, we would, we don't know why we do what we do. Most yeah. of the time. 
So um, well, and Chris has this. Chris has this interesting line when he's being interrogated. That's like, um, I'm not that that I'm not that man anymore. In fact, I was I was never that man. Like that, he's kind of trying to say that night was a one off. That's not who I am. And you don't get that sense from Trey that he'd be like, that's not who I am. Trey seems like a lot of the characters, like Tawny, like Daniel, seems um, in some ways kind of uh, in a state of arrested development. You know? Yeah. Uh, lives that, that still that impulsive life that he did that night when he was a teenager. Yes, I would say that's, that's true. I want to ask one more thing and then pass. I'm sure Ryan's chomping at the bit, but when you're, when, when you were, we, we've had JD Evermore on, he was awesome guest too. But I mean, I didn't ask him this because it was before I, I'd really fallen in love with these scenes where the two of you got the two of you guys are just like making magic. I think on camera, did you know, like, did you two have a sense or did you personally have a sense when you'd be filming these scenes? Like the Sheriff Carl and Trey, man, these scenes are, this is just awesome stuff and like we're doing something special here or maybe that's just me but i i think ryan shares that opinion that those scenes oh well thank you very much like the highlight highlight of the episode for me no it's um i don't sure i don't ever i don't ever think of it um that way i mean i was always pleased and thrilled with uh whatever you know, when I would get a script, I go, oh, "This is great," but I knew it'd be great. Ray's, Ray's a great writer. They, they were, the whole writing staff—they're all fantastic. So, um, I was just happy that I had these great, fun scenes to play. And then you can't think forward, you know, to what it's going to be or how it's—you know, it, like I say, you just have to be very present with the work that you're doing while you're doing it, and that's really what I love. And then I, I let it go. I just, I don't even think about it. I mean, it was fun watching these again because, you know, you, you, mm. I was, oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's this little, little, little pocket of your life that is absorbed in this scene, preparing for the scene. And then the day that it took to, to film it all. And, and I, I tend to remember more like hanging out with people or whatever, but the actual, actual doing it, it's like, I kind of don't remember. Right. I mean, doing it. Hmm. It might be a bit like, you know, uh, if you're an athlete or something, I don't know if you guys ever played sports, but like you might play a football game and then you play it and you're so involved in it that it's not until the following Monday where your coach shows you the film that you're like, oh, yeah, right. right. I remember that. I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It's just you're just bam, bam, bam. You're just doing it. So, um, but I mean, I certainly love JD as a person as and as an actor. So it was always fun. But part of that for me was like, oh, good. Yeah. Jay's here. That's going to be fun. It was like a fun day. I like the guy. <laughs> so um, that's, a, that's a lot of how I, I think about it. So, Sean, you talked about, I, it's kind of teeing up a couple of thoughts I had or questions about the series as a whole. Um, had Have you gone back or were you watching it um, as it was kind of airing originally. Uh, and I wonder if, I know you talk about these kind of pockets of time in, in an actor's career where you do this and you move on and talked about being in a role like Trey, which you kind of, you know, get amped up for. He's a bit of a dick and all that kind of stuff. But are, are there things that you take away from, from projects like this, which, you know, rectify a lot of people, you know, we, you can read a lot of reviews and a lot of critics and historians and all these folks who talk about rectify kind of, you know, one of the best shows of all time kind of thing. Do you, looking back, do you kind of share that? Do you feel that? Do you, are are there things you take away from, from that, from that experience of being in a show like that, that you kind of put in your, in your back pocket for future work? Or is it, is it really everything is just, you're just extremely focused on, like you said earlier, just what's on the page for that day. Um, yeah, I try to stay focused on, on just the doing of it. And, um, I, I, I do sometimes like wander off into that idea of thinking about what jobs mean or what they mean to other people, or, uh, especially now when it seems like I'm never going to work again, (laughs) you know, you hope you're like, oh man, (laughs) ever noticed or remember, but you know, I've, um, 
don't know how conscious I was of it, but I've, I've always, I, I don't really, like I lived in California for a long time, but I, there's a lot of stuff about the industry that doesn't interest me at all. And um, so I, I kind of steer away from even allowing myself to think about that. I, I find that when I do think about what things mean or what it could do for me or whatever, it, I'm probably in a kind of anxious state of mind and I try to get out of that mm-hmm. because it doesn't help and it certainly doesn't facilitate me uh in terms of doing good work or freeing me up that's one of the reasons i live in north carolina um i don't really know what people think of me or if they even know i exist Uh, all that matters is that i just did the best i could do in the moment you hope that it you hope everybody else did their job well and that you have something that you're proud of and i'm very proud of rectify i mean i'm very but as far as what it means, I don't know. I mean, it's the same way with Deadwood, right? It's like, um, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, but, but with both of those, what I think about is I think about the friends that I made and the experiences that I had and those real life things, you know, are, are ultimately what matter to me. I've never been in anything that was a big hit that sort of changed my trajectory in any sort of way. I mean, well, that's not true. I was in the movie room, which one, you know, it got nominated. So there was a time there, you know, you got to kind of hit it when you're hot. I was in this movie that kind of came out of nowhere and got nominated for four Oscars. And, um, and I was able to segue that into, I was able to sort of get some, some employment as a result of that. Like people would see me who might not have been interested and that's led to other work, but, um, I'm just proud. I just want to be in stories that are worth telling and it doesn't matter what the role mm. is necessarily. Um, and you want to work with people who are at least striving to do something great, whatever great means. I know what it means for me. Um, and if I can just continue doing that while I'm still here, as long as I can, then I think I'll be able to look back on it and, it's weird though because I, I I look sometimes and think, man, I've gotten nowhere, <laughs> you know. And I know that sounds silly, but I think a lot of actors feel that way, you know. It's like um, it's yeah. still like I I put myself on tape yesterday for a, a movie that um, I you know that I didn't think it was that great, you know. And I'm going like, oh man, I hope I get it. But part of that's the pandemic, but um, yeah. You know, these things come along. Well, and just and- the uncertainty, the general, yeah, just the general uncertainty too of a, of, of a career in in acting when it, it can also often be so arbitrary about who gets what role. And, right. and like you say, you add the pandemic to that, the uncertainty of what does production look like uh, in the next five to 10 years, you know, it's yeah, right. Um, no, that it's- kind of tension of wondering, have I gotten anywhere? It's because w- where, where's there to go, you know, in a moment right. like this as well. Yeah. But in terms of like, I do sometimes think like, it's nice and also sort of frustrating sometimes. Like I said, I mean, I'm like, after I get off with you guys, we're building a house and I'm going to go hang doors. Right. So I don't think yeah. about, um, uh, you know, what people think or, or, um, if anybody knows who I am or, or cares, I've been pr- really pleasantly surprised sometimes, you know, like sometimes I'll get offered something that I don't, I didn't even know they knew who I was and, and that's all you can do, right? You just kind of do the best you can and throw it out there and it's for the universe to decide. Um, but one thing about rectify that's great and same way with Deadwood and other things is it's nice to be associated with something that's that, that great. And, and the people that you get to meet as a result of it tend to be like-minded and, um, striving for the same type of projects and yeah hopefully that'll pay off continue to pay off for the you know sure yeah hopefully right like i mean (laughs) there's gonna come a time i can't do it anymore but anyway uh speaking of of kind of ongoing projects or current projects we see on your on your kind of resume that uh you're an underground railroad um is there any update on that or do you guys it's are you still in production on that is that something folks can look forward to I think they finished. Uh, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. Okay. I finished like in October, right? I, I'm gotcha. I'm in the, gotcha. Right. So I was. I was kind of first up 
And and that's one of those jobs that came out of nowhere. You know, I was in Toronto, uh, not Toronto, I was in Vancouver all summer last year doing uh, Get Shorty, which is a great show. People should watch it. Um, yeah. And I got this offer to be in Underground Railroad. And, you know, Barry Jenkins is doing it. And that guy's a bona fide genius. And um, yeah, so that's what I mean is like in, in Barry I didn't audition for it. I didn't know anything about it. I just got this offer from Barry Jenkins and I thought, what the, and it was a wonderful experience. And again, I'm really proud to be a part of it, you know? So, um, hopefully things like that will keep coming, you know, but I keep, I keep working on my own stuff and just keep, you know, you got to keep trucking, but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, Sean, we want to thank you so much for joining us. I think for us, it's been such a thrill to walk through this show. I think if, the, you know, the pandemic has kind of given us a little time to do that. This is one of the first shows. Well, it's a, certainly the the show with the most episodes that we've kind of walked through like this. And it really, as echoing Tony, it, it's really been a thrill to watch your character evolve over this series. And I, it looks like we've got probably three more episodes with Trey. So uh, we'll be excited to see where that goes. But man, we really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with us about this, about this series and just wish you all the best you know, with current and future projects, especially like we were saying during this kind of uncertain time. So we really appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for having me guys. It was, it was a lot of fun. And good luck hanging doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>